It's 911. What is your emergency? Um, ma'am. <laughs> I, I just ki- I just killed I just killed my boyfriend in self-defense. <laughs> self-defense. But wait, I have a new sing I have a new song to sing for you. I just killed my boyfriend. Oh yeah, in self-defense. <laughs> Don't forget that part. And then I she only she always says it. I know. She says it every time. In self-defense. In self-defense. It doesn't sound natural. It's like Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, what are they saying? I'm the Mormon reference. There has to be a musical reference every episode. This is not a musical podcast, except it is, and it's the only one I'll condone. (laughs) I'll let us cross into that field. Into Mormon. I don't want to talk about Mormonism. Let's not, actually. I said we were going to do it, and then I remembered how many things you could clock me on and was like, we're done. Uh, you know what sucks? What? What? My blood is delicious, okay. and mosquitoes oh. literally follow me around in droves. I don't want to talk about it, and you can't say that because you can use bug spray. Well, I can't. You were and I'm allergic spray? to mosquitoes and bug spray. Yeah. <laughs> and we everyone knows because I say it every day, but it's literally <laughs> I forgot it's my or curse. never knew. It's my curse, and I get to bear it. So nature was just like, fuck you. Yeah. 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 That's the worst. Yeah. I get huge welts. And when I use bug spray, I get so nauseous. I can't exist in the world. So what's the point of living? <laughs> pew, pew, pew. That's the worst. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, it was finger guns. Pew, pew, pew. Into the ceiling. No, it was into you guys. Actually. <laughs> I meant the ceiling, but it was like lazy. So. <laughs> I got chat. It's fine. But um, I also feel like I'm being bitten by mosquitoes all the time, and I think a lot of that's in my head. Like I'm just like, ah, ah, there's. Yeah, I feel that. I I despise being outside because I have like the phantom bugs. Also, they're real bugs. Yeah. So what is the truth? Everything. Everything. <laughs> exactly. How are you supposed to know? Exactly. 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 That's just the stay indoors all the time. That's exactly. the plan. Wrap yourself in a mosquito net and just like call it couture. I should do that. <laughs> Put a belt on it. Uh, I think Lady Gaga did that for um, the Muppets Live. Anyway, uh, did she? I feel like she did, and then she sang with RuPaul. Was she? RuPaul let a man drown. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's my duty to bring that up too. That Every time. Yes. Should I find like the actual? We like we we set the story. We actually did it. We okay. did it. But it's like fake, right, or something? No, no it probably happened. No, I heard that it was like. Someone fake. said it was like anecdotal, but you don't say that if you don't mean it. <laughs> and if you say it and you don't mean it, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Why is that the story you're telling right now? <laughs> okay, wait. I have, okay, I'm going to read it. I remember once I had this place that overlooked the Hudson River, and I saw this guy on a sailboat, and it had capsized, and I went to the phone thinking, I've got to call someone. But then I thought, what's the best thing I can do? You know what? I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to send them loving energy. He does not say whether the man survived. Uh, What a good time to be alive. What a good time. What a copyright. Could not believe it. Welcome to Can You Believe This Shit. My well, name is Dominic. Oh. Um, um, we have a, a Lydia. That's me. I'm Lydia. That's me. We have a Zoe. That's me. We have a Sam. Hello. 
And again, I'm Dominic. And this is Can You Believe This Shit? Wow. And we have Lydia. <laughs> and yeah, we that's have me. Zoe. And we have a Sam. Hello. Great. And we're a podcast. We are. It's Groundhog Day. Welcome. It's, 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 you ever get that feeling of deja vu? <laughs> it's um, really hot. Is it hot? It I'm is hot in um, Chicago. In this moving van that is slowly yes. going across the Midwest. It's Sweltering. metal. Well, actually, so it we're currently heat. driving True. through. What's a desert? Gary, Indiana. Gary, <laughs> Indiana. Not Louisiana. Yeah, it's a place I love to be. <laughs> Let me just say, my father, every single time that we drive through Gary, Indiana, starts singing that song. Sue was born in Gary. Really? So this is this is a common occurrence Theme. in our household. Fair. <laughs> Actually, yes. all we have to do is hit the Indiana border, and he's like... <laughs> Yes, literally. Come on, Segway. Speaking of your father. Oh, are we doing that now? I do it. Okay. It worked. All right. So the deal (laughs) is I called my father just to check in, just to see like, hey, how you doing? How are things? And um, he asked me, hey, is there anything cool going on at TSA? And I explained to him. You know, there was something interesting that did happen. Um, We had the International Man of Leather Conference come through last week. So we had a lot of, you know, interesting, more interesting than usual things coming through the checkpoint. When I said that, I also told him that when I was on the x-ray machine, I pulled over a bag for an item that was suspiciously looked like either a gun barrel or like a weapon of some sort and I wasn't sure. Uh-huh. I really wasn't sure. So I you pulled it over. Check. <laughs> I pulled it over and uh the guy who checked the bag when he came back I'm like, "Hey, what was that?" He's like, "Oh, it was like uh an attachment for uh the bathtub for like a an enema." Oh. And I'm like, "Oh, no shit. Now I feel bad." No oh. shit. This is <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Oh and then, my God. So when I told my father this, he said, oh, have you heard of the Enema Bandit? And I'm like, the who now? <laughs> and apparently, back in the 70s, it was this big deal, this um, criminal who no. was deemed the Enema Bandit because he broke into homes. No. no. <laughs> tied up the residents no no and administered them enemas absolutely not (laughs) i hate this and i have a little bit of research on that please let me um, just do do a quick god no give it please that's horrifying i hate this that is literally the last thing you expect (laughs) the man breaking into your home to do i'm gonna start crying don't cry don't cry it's It's the um, worst Okay, um... Did he then rob Everyone them? in the house? Oh, please give it to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, Michael Hubert Kenyon was born in 1944 with no... I didn't find an exact date, so I don't know what sign he is. That's what my girl uh, Scorpio. <laughs> but uh, he was born in Elgin. The attacks, Elgin, Illinois. Elgin, Illinois. Oh. The attack started in March 1966 in Champaign, Illinois. Champaign-Urbana, like the college, he attacked two unnamed teenage sisters. Stop And when I say unnamed, it's just the articles did not Uh offer their names. 
Um, oh, they, it's not like they were born without a name. Exactly. <laughs> the nameless twins. <laughs> the nameless sisters. One and two. They have um, no oh, name. Oh, Jesus Christ. Drag racing outside? They are. So when he, he graduated from Champaign-Urbana in 1967 and left the state to continue his crimes in oh other states, including Kansas, <laughs> Oklahoma, and Los Angeles, California. Jesus. And then uh, just a spat of crimes that included, well, let me explain what the actual crime Contained. I wish you wouldn't. So no. she would stop. As per WeirdUniverse.net, come uh-huh. on. A quote, a full quote. I copied this entirely, word for word. Holding his victims at gunpoint, he would force them to remove their clothes. Oh. Then he would tie their wrists mm. and proceed to give them each an enema, no. always working slowly oh. and deliberately. No. His victims agreed that he knew what he was doing. No. Otherwise, he didn't harm the women releasing them when he was finished. His victims also described him as, uh, him as being extremely polite. Before he left, he yeah, would take whatever money he fierce. could find. So that being said... Um, what did he do with the fluids? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I couldn't find anything as Just for, in the like, toilet? Yeah. I'm assuming. Like I thought he, I thought he would procedure? keep them. No. And then drink them later? It was about it. It was about the process. Ugh. I doubt he worried over much about it. They were tied up. He was not a process burglar. 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 Um, another direct quote from the Ironwood Daily Globe. Um, that's something down in Champaign. February 9th, 1972. Each time, Champaign Detective Gentile said, the man wore a black ski mask with red holes for the eyes and mouth and carried a rope and a water bottle and hose for administering enemas. Oh, my God. Did you say a red, red, what, what? Red, red holes for eyes and a mouth. So oh, a, bl- a no. black ski mask with, like, the red around. I used to have, like, a ski mask just like it when I was growing up. Except it, it was navy blue and orange. Oh, okay. <laughs> black and red. See, that's less threatening. And you're not the enema. And I'm enema not the enema baby. Man. <laughs> the enema man. Uh, All right. Enema man. I like it. So, um, so, so bad. He was eventually arrested in connection with some robberies, and he pretty much narked on himself when he got arrested, and it was just like, yeah, so you know that enema bandit? <gasps> Bitch, that's me. He's oh. a bragging bragger. <laughs> he was judged to be legally sane, found guilty for six counts of armed robbery, but was never charged for the, the sexual assault enemas. I would call it sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, Definitely. yeah. He was Definitely. paroled in 1981. But, like, how do you... How do you charge that? I don't know. How do you know. charge a... You it know, is because... Yeah, because there's, there's like, there's, like, yeah. strict guidelines for charging someone with sexual assault. I don't know. I would count it as sexual assault. It, I, I personally would. Is that sodomy? Is sodomy a crime still? No. It depends on the state, and yes, and some of them. Oh. Either way, it was unconsensual. Okay. That's the end of that. So he was paroled in 1981 after serving only six years in jail. Six. And he died in 2004. Did he stop animal banditing? Uh, yeah, because there were no other um, no reported more. crimes you would, after that. You would know. And uh, he inspired a couple of songs. <gasps> he didn't um, know. Yes, he did. By uh, the, uh, one called The Illinois Enema Bandit by Frank Zappa in 1976. Frank Zappa? I, I listened to it. It was just awful. <laughs> oh, 
god. <laughs> and this one I didn't listen to, but it was a salute to the Enema Bandit. Like, why would you what salute him? First of all, like, why would you oh salute a criminal? Oh my god. By Henry Threadgill in 1986. So, like, especially such a gross Jesus. one. Yeah, that's so disgusting. Wow, what a mess. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like bandit's not the right that word. That did not happen. It did. Thank you to my father specifically for providing your gross information. Thanks, Lancelot. Can you believe yeah. this shit? <laughs> no, that's crazy. That makes me sick. <laughs> it's not a fun crazy. time at all. I hate that. But he said that, and I'm like, this is dad. This is, is going this on my thinking? podcast. How crazy is that? I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's just bizarre. <laughs> That's fucked up. I just, I would, I would have never written that. <laughs> like, no one would have come up with that. Yeah. Who came up what? What is Sam. <laughs> so, who gets to follow that? <laughs> <laughs> As a segue of sorts. That's my cue. It is. It is your cue. I love you. (laughs) So today, we'll keep it nice and short and simple. Lydia, you're first. (laughs) Dominic, you're next. Zoe, you're finishing out. Oh, Uh, What did I say? (laughs) That's how it is. I called it. Enjoy. I approve. (sighs) Come at me. What do you got? What What do you got? wonderful development. All right, y'all. Do you guys want to hear a story? Yes. All right. So guess what? Who Who's heard of the Hotel Chelsea? Hotel Chelsea. The Chelsea Hotel. I've, or just the yeah. Chelsea. Vaguely. Where is it? It's in New York City. Yeah. Vaguely. It's hella haunted. Come on. The hella haunted haunting of the Hotel Chelsea. Ooh. If only there was another H. There okay, the sea could be silent in Chelsea, You're and right. then it's the hella haunted haunting of the hotel Kelsey. Yep, <laughs> that's what it is. Perfect. It could be like a lowercase C with like a, with a capital H. <laughs> that part. Oh wow. Okay, so it's a historic New York City hotel and landmark. It was built in 1883, and well, in between 1883 and 1885, and it's known primarily for its notability of its residents over the years. Mm. At 12 stories tall, the Chelsea was the tallest building in New York when it was built. It, this 250-unit hotel has been designated a New York City landmark. What year was it built? Um, it was built in 198. No, I'm sorry, 1883. 1883. Yeah, it was the tallest at 12 stories. Yes. That's crazy. So, yeah, but it has a hundred and, I'm sorry, 250 units, and it's been designated a landmark since 1966. So, it was, at first, it was, like, the home of, well, actually, over the entire time, it's been the home of numerous writers, musicians, artists, and actors. Though the Chelsea no longer accepts new long-term residents, the building is still home to many who lived there before the change of policy. So, the hotel was originally conceived as a socialist utopian commune. Um, Its architect, Philip Hubert, or Hubert, um, Devised a plan to build uh, to build cooperative apartment houses in New York City. That's the second Hubert we've had today, and like you, yeah, you right? were talking about Huber to like earlier. What a weird day. That's weird. weird, huh? That is weird. 
So can I Tenants some? would save money by sharing fuels and services. The Chelsea was fabulously successful for a while there until Hubert's grand experiment went bankrupt in 1905. And the Chelsea was converted to a luxury hotel. The hotel was regularly visited by some of the most famous, famed artists in history. So after World War II, the place declined and room prices dropped. But that like only just attracted more of like the art crowd, like musicians and stuff. Because they're poor. Yeah, yeah, it's more affordable. Right. And one of the most notable was Dylan Thomas, who is a famous writer and poet who um, was staying in room 206 when he died of pneumonia in <laughs> 1953. As Arthur, one does. Huh? As one does. Yeah. Arthur Miller moved into room 614 after his divorce from Marilyn Monroe. Which it doesn't I make any still fucking sense. Which I still they don't fit in the same time period no. in my head. That doesn't. That doesn't. We so, did this. Yep. We so did when this. I have discussed this, we've had heated <laughs> debates about this because Marilyn Monroe, I, in my head, li- was born, lived, and then died all in the fifties. Yes. And somehow Arthur Miller was uh, watching the witches get hunted. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when he wrote the Crucible, he was. The, it's, a, it's a fucking biography. What the fuck? <laughs> is this allowed? <laughs> Bob Dylan wrote Sarah in room 211. Janis Joplin blew Leonard Cohen in room 424. Same. Which was <laughs> immortalized in a song that I don't know the title of. Um, Blowing Leonard Cohen by Janis Joplin. <laughs> I don't know. You Arthur punched C- the mic again. <laughs> Why do I do that? <laughs> you get excited. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey in oh. the Chelsea. So, Sid, Vi- Sid Vicious. None of these people fit in the same time period. <laughs> yes, they I'm do. Really this hotel has been open for like 100 years. Oh. Oh, yeah. We're going down the line. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I guess that makes just, more sense to my head now. That was just a cherry pick list of notable no, things. That's that fine. No, so I was fully on board with you, and then I heard Sid Vicious, and I was like, wait, no, 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 no. I was like, no, no, no. What? That one I know for sure. No, yeah. This is the next. Sure. Era, or whatever. Great. But Time has passed. Sid Vicious and uh, Nancy. Okay, I'm going to try her last name. I didn't look up the specific. It's like Spung. Spongin. S- what? Spongin. Spongin? Yeah. Yeah. Looks like Spongini. <laughs> no, that's Did not I, right. Is that an error? Yeah, you fucked up yeah. somewhere. <laughs> typo. <laughs> ah! Okay. That's supposed to look like Whoops. that. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> um, uh, moved to the Chelsea Hotel, and they stayed in room 100 with fake names. Uh, they <laughs> Yeah, they this was like I think it was like right after the breakup of the band, but they dwelled their days away like with heroin and other drugs and uh, were known to have like deep involvement with drug dealers. Then he killed her. Well, yeah, Uh, on the day of 12 October of 1978, Nancy was found dead in the bathroom of room 100. Shit. Um, That's why I know the name then. (laughs) Look at us go. Fair. Coming full circle. I know it because of Amanda Palmer. Oh, Sid yeah. was uh, arrested yeah. on the murder charge. Yeah, um, but it could have been a ghost. We don't know. We know. Is that what he said? No, he <laughs> doesn't. He doesn't remember. Apparently, oh, of course. Which would check out if it was a ghost, but it would also check out if he murdered his girlfriend. So, oh yeah, and uh, he was arrested on the murder charge and then released on bail, and he claims no memory of what happened. A few months later, before he was put to trial, he was found dead with a suicide note. He had overdosed, and he the suicide note requested to be buried next to Nancy. You don't get to do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess he does. I think they did it. 
Yeah. Did they not? Sounds like something they did. Jesus. I don't know if they did or not. I didn't check. Maybe not. Uh, um, at one point, Sid Vicious told the Associated Press that the Chelsea Hotel, quote, is a vortex of artistic tornado. Is, is a vortex. An artistic. Wow, I can't talk. An artistic tornado of death and destruction and love and broken dreams. Oh, wow. um, Madonna lived there in the <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> That was just as jarring as when you jump back in with, and then they died. (laughs) Yep. Oh, thank you, Madonna. (laughs) Yep. Uh, But in its last half century, the Chelsea uh, was run as an informal artist colony. Artists traded paintings for rent or lived for free, subsidized by the exorbitant rates paid by the troubled trust fund babies of the super rich, which was like another demographic that historically has been drawn to the hotel. And it's been closed for renovations since uh, 2011. But it's said to open and back up this year, 2018. Mm. So really, yeah, we're going to the when. Chelsea. Yeah, we're going to the Chelsea. Okay, when? hunting. Oh wait, yeah, when? Do you know I don't when? fucking know. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go look at it. I mean, I'll look at it too, and then tell you. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, in, I'm gonna look at it in New York. Oh yeah, you should. You could should. You, I thought you meant online to see when it opens, which is something oh, I should have done. I'll do that, too. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, anyway, hauntings. Oh, um, man. A bunch of crazy shit has been witnessed by guests there over the years. People have experienced hot spots. <laughs> Wait. What? Wait. Wait, what did I miss? <laughs> Lydia looked at Sam said, mm-hmm. And then it was like, anyway. Uh, no. Sam said something. I heard it, someone say something, and Lydia responded to that at the same time Did I responded to that. You started to. I heard a break in your, like, I heard, like, an erupt, a sensing an eruption, and I was like, what? Here's what happened. I burped. Oh! <laughs> That's what happened. I thought a human was speaking, and no. then I was convinced it was a ghost. It was the demons inside me. <laughs> That's the demons. That's beautiful. So, people have experienced hot spots, cold uh-huh. spots, uh-huh. orbs, and and like okay. Also, there's a common unsettling experience that I hate. So, people will be in their rooms, and they'll hear the distinct sound of someone pacing noisily out, right outside their room, like no, pacing no. right outside their door, and then like it starts kind of faint, but then like you're just like oh it's just someone walking but then it's like insistent and louder and like when you get up to go and check like through the peephole presumably and there's no one there and and it stops you don't hear it while you're looking oh fuck i hate ghosts but like as soon as you like yeah turn away and go back to bed it starts up again but like it's it's not like the delay is long enough for someone to like come back coming back and hiding or anything like that Mm -hmm. it's like pretty instantaneous it's like oh you're not facing the door anymore bam Mm -hmm. so if you open the door they get in i think some people open the door to check why would you and they're just not there (laughs) okay i don't know because people are stupid that's true so many people have come in contact with the spirits of sid and nancy um oh wow some people will hear punk Right. Some people will hear heated arguments coming from a couple in room number 100, and when they check, the room is vacant. Vacant. Um, same. <laughs> they'll also hear music and then search it, and same shit in the same room. 
Madonna's career. <laughs> <laughs> it's vacant. Um, in other incidents, people have seen Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious in the elevator on the uh, uh, on the first floor. Many who stayed in room 100 complained about sudden rises of temperature or some see a ghostly apparition roaming all up in, in there. All up commit, in there. He didn't commit suicide in the hotel, though, right? I don't think so. Okay, but his, his spirit's there. It's like spirit is like locked there. Okay. Because yeah, it's that. a vortex. Mm-hmm. One of the most witnessed apparitions at the Chelsea is Mary. She was a passenger on the Titanic. Oh, um, why is she here? <laughs> You're about to tell me. I'm I'll sorry. <laughs> she survived. Oh. Oh. But her husband. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound disappointed. It was more of like a. Dominic sounded a little mad. Like, oh. Because I forgot people survived. So, like, when you're a passenger on Titanic, you're like, no, they died in the Titanic, right? <laughs> so. Her husband died in the Titanic, though. Well. And um, <laughs> she stayed at the hotel after her husband died, but could not get over his loss. And driven mad by grief, it is rumored that she committed suicide by hanging herself in her room. Suicide. Su- su- Suicide. The woman's dead. She <laughs> hanged herself. Oh. Yeah. It's sad. This sad lady is often witnessed staring at her reflection in a mirror, uh, said to spend hours preening and admiring herself, and she's irritated Ooh, when observed. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Spends hours looking at self. Doesn't want anyone else to, though. <laughs> Stop that. What are you doing? So another one of the ghosts is the ghost of Dylan Thomas, that guy I said before. Sure. Um, and he just apparently will uh, appear as a disembodied head yeah. and just watch, <laughs> hover at the end of your bed in, in the middle of the night and silently watch those who are asleep. I think my favorite thing about this is all the different s- types of ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Right? Where it's kind of like they all get to pick what kind of ghost they want to be. <laughs> Because it's not consistent across the whole place. No, of course not. Like, he just really wanted to be a disembodied head. And he got that. It's too chaotic. decapitated or... He died of pneumonia in a hospital. Yep. He was staying there, though, like... Before? Before. Like, that was where he was living. And he was getting drunk a lot. Sure. Like, there's this famous quote where he's like... Well, it's the quote on his last day of life when he was at the hotel. He's like, I just had my 18th whiskey. I think that's a record. An eighteen neat, uh, my eighteenth neat whiskey or something. I think that's. Wow. Does that mean like no ice? Yeah. Yeah, that's just whiskey. <laughs> just basically just like finished. That's just a cup of liquor, man. Why are you, bunch why are you of liquor. pouring it? Huh? Just drink from the bottle. That's not. That's not civilized. Okay. You gotta be a man. <laughs> a, gen- a gentleman. Gentleman. So a gentle man. Another of the famous ghosts, or well, not famous, but like ghosts that people see, Nadia. Ooh. So, Nadia and her family are rumored to have lived at the Chelsea Hotel in the early 20s. She was the daughter of a wealthy silk merchant who, or silk salesman, I don't know, I feel like merchant isn't the, whatever, (laughs) it's what I put. Um, I like merchant better. (laughs) For some reason, when I heard merchant, I thought he was making the silk and then selling it. I don't know why. He is a human silkworm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I thought about that for half a second too long and now I'm mad. Let's bring it back to before you said that horrible thing. 
Um, she was a talented artist. After making an unfortunate marriage in her teens, uh, Nadia and her children were left destitute. Falling on her family for help um, and support, she was allowed to move back in with her parents in return for carrying out domestic chores. Eventually, ground down by domesticity and fearing that she was losing her uh, artistic ability, she began to suffer a decline in her mental health. So, unable to express herself artistically and being very frustrated, she deliberately fell upon a large pair of shears, (laughs) severing her right hand. What? Wow. How big were those scissors? Quite large. Oh, jeez. They were shears. So, they're like, I picture them like... (laughs) Like, like ribbon cutting scissors? Like, even. What else do you need scissors that are that big for? I don't know. Maybe they were gardening shears. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't do housework. Can you tell? I don't know. I don't like garden. Um, horrified at what she had done, she threw herself off the third floor balcony um, of her apartment. Whoa, 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 wait. Wait. So she chopped her hand off with a pair of scissors that was just on the ground. I guess. And then, now, without a hand, she's like, I can't paint. I can't go on anymore. So she throws herself off the balcony. Jesus. There's a quote from, like, one of the residents who lived there. And then she, like, she was like, people were always throwing themselves off those balconies. (laughs) Like, a lot of people committed. Well, it was the tallest place. It was the spot. Yeah. And it was like, that was like, where else? (laughs) It's super like hippie atmosphere most of the time. Buildings go don't go. There's tall balconies tall. up on the twelfth. Like it's oh just. Oh my. They're not even trying to commit suicide. They're just jumping off balconies. They're just yeah. jumping off for balconies. the sport. Yeah. What else? Into the pool. They've always been able to do it. Yeah. So they didn't know. Guests at the hotel claim to have seen Nadia hovering near their balconies on moonless, uh, moonless nights, unable to enter the building. Damn. One unfortunate person has witnessed the severed hand inside the hotel, though. Oh, severed ghost hand. Yeah, so, like, she can't come in, but her severed ghost hand isn't up in there. I live for that, yeah, actually. Right? Does it so move? So, is she trying to get it? Probably, but she can't. Damn. And it's on you, moonless nights. What if you take it outside to her? You can't touch it. It's a ghost it's hand. It's a ghost <laughs> hand. You can't grab it. You can't touch a ghost hand. What you think? <laughs> So, in the most recent report, a woman, her sister, and their mother reported problems with lights um, in their room, writing, the lights in our bathroom and hallway, and hallway, I guess hallway in the room, uh-huh. went off and on over, uh, over and over while we were in there, uh, later adding that they heard a high-pitched woman scream, and the sink kept turning on and off, and strange bubbles were rising from the drain. Absolutely strange bubbles? Not. Yeah, strange bubbles. Like, right. any bubbles that are rising out of the drain for no reason are pretty strange, though. <laughs> That's You're not fair. wrong. Yeah. Any bubbles I didn't ask specifically <laughs> to appear. Oh, strange like, bubbles. Like, strange no, bubbles. No, thank you. After taking a seemingly normal picture of uh, a closet in the room, there appeared to be a skeleton peeking out from the behind the door frame. And I have that picture. What? Um, Can I see it? Whose skeleton? It's like... Mine. It's a very... <laughs> like very ghostly looking skeleton it's not like a just like a oh like a actual very like so defined it's like skeleton. the ghost of a skeleton it's like a skeleton ghost <laughs> ghost bones ghost bones come on ghost bones and also let me just say as far as like casual pictures go this is a weird picture to take when you go to a hotel it's just like why did you take a picture of like an empty closet 
Sure. Sure. Are you telling me? It, are you debunking? Are you? Is it debunked? I just don't know. Debunk. It's just like when I look at the picture, I'm like, oh wow, look at that. But I'm also like, this picture is not a casual picture one just takes. <laughs> well, sure. maybe they saw the skeleton and they're like. Yeah, but then why did all the like I saw this their story is like multiple articles and they all say it's just like they were just casual picture they were taking mm. every time that's what the words they used so like uh, I don't know all right the picture will be on the Instagram you guys can see it when we when I when I get it we post it on the Instagram great because I when I send it to you and when Aww. I show it to you but great. it's not in front of my face but that's like about it that's the Chelsea Hotel and some hauntings that had that's, happened there that's pretty crazy yeah and I want to live there like <laughs> all right it was a really cool and like chill like artist commune atmosphere the ghosts don't seem to be um they're not like mad mean. at anyone they're not mean they're just there yeah the only one that could possibly be like scary or vicious is <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have a quick, a quick thing to interject about like things in closets and supernatural and ghosts. And oh, I was like, like, why are you that. talking about me? I'm are you closet. in the closet? No, when did that happen? I'm sorry. <laughs> I went back in. Okay. I'm sorry. My neighborhood is all over the place today. It's the same motherfucker. Shut up. Incredible. Um, so my parents, when they lived in Oak Park, they had a house on Keystone, if y'all know where that is. Which no. It literally no. doesn't matter. Ketones. Keystone. Ketones. Ketones. It's the, it's the Keystone, Keystone State. You know, the state what? named Keystone? Anyway, the house was haunted. Ooh. And um, my sister's room specifically, this is before I was born, so all I have is stories of this. My sister's room was haunted, and uh, she would have nightmares at night about a witch that was hanging upside down in a closet. Uh, ew. No. That was all white and in a sheet and wrapped up and looked that. like it was a bag of bones except for her head. I hate that. I wonder what that is. I'm going no, cry. Well, that's really scary. Yes. Because awesome. that's something. I'll get the whole story, but like for now, that's all I have. Did someone die in that home? Jesus. Probably. Who, knows? who died in that closet? Will you tell closet? her to email us at canyoubelievepod.gmail.com? Yeah, we can. I want that entire full, that's like, so scary. horse's mouth story. I'll get okay. it. Hold on. Don't Your you sister, sister also used to ride horse. horses. <laughs> she used to ride horses. She still rides horses. She's, I want to ride a she horse. She still rides horses, <laughs> Dominic. Duh. <laughs> Lydia, are you, did you? This is the haunting of the Chelsea Home Hotel. Oh my God. Wait, no. Okay. Cut. Okay. It's right. The hella haunted haunting of the Hotel Helsey. Yes. Can you believe this shit? Oh. Oh no. Um. Where does that bring us? Hello. Oh geez. It's my turn. What is it? Oh, gosh. So, guess who's not giving you a title? You haven't ever in a while. You haven't in a while. Well, you haven't ever in a I while. Actually, I will give you a title, actually. Um, oh. I'm <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Plot twist. Um, I'm going to give house. you the murder of Linda Bailey Brown. Oh, Linda. Okay. Okay. Do I notice? don't know her. Not yet. Great. <laughs> So, in the early morning of March 19th, 1985, 
Detective Fred McLean found uh, Cinnamon Brown, who was 14, mm-hmm. curled in the fetal position on the floor of a red dog house behind her family home mm-hmm. in Garden Grove, California. She had taken a cocktail of prescription drugs and was sleeping in sweats, drenched in her own urine and vomit. Clenching her fist was a note bound with a ribbon. It read, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. What the fuck? It was safe to assume that the note referred to Cinnamon's stepmother, Linda Marie Bailey Brown, who was 23. A few hours earlier, detectives had found Linda in her bed with two bullets in her chest. Oh my God. There was a uh, 38 caliber Smith and Western revolver on the floor. Wesson? Look at me knowing things. Wesson? Wesson. Well. You probably said that. You saw that and you were like, that can't be right. And you fixed it. (laughs) I was listening to it and I was like, Smith and Western. That's what she said. Yeah. So David Brown, 32, which was who was Cinnamon's father, was the one who called the police. Where are we? We were in California. Yeah. uh, Orange County. So police interviewed him and he explained that uh, he lived with Linda, their eight-month-old Crystal, and Linda's sister, Patty Bailey, who was 17, also lived with them because their mother was an alcoholic, and so mm-hmm. she wanted, like, a non-hectic wife. So, uh, Cinnamon was his daughter from a former marriage, and she had been back and forth between living with him and her mother. Mm-hmm. So, he described Cinnamon as an angry girl who did not fit in with the family, hmm. and uh, she resisted her father's attempts to help her. She had been living in a relatable. travel trailer. What, what? I just said that's very relatable. How uh, fair. She had been living in a uh, travel trailer in the backyard for about three weeks, though she usually came in for meals. And uh, he explained that Cinnamon and Linda just didn't get along. I'm not going to say that Cinnamon is an odd name. It's a unique name. I think it's cute. Everyone else in this family has non-unique names. Well, Crystal and Cinnamon are kind of on the same level. Okay, sure. Crystal is definitely less... On the scale than cinnamon is, but I like yeah. cinnamon butter. I think it's a cute name. I like cinnamon too. I think it's cinnamon cute. Brown. Cinnamon brown. That's a really cute name. Yeah, that is that is a cartoon child <laughs> who was possibly killed her stepmother. Probably killed her stepmother. Yeah, but she sounds damaged. Sure. She sounds like something. Is she okay? We'll find out. Oh no. Okay, so um, cinnamon, who hurt you? <laughs> The night before, David and Linda had gotten into a fight, and uh, he couldn't sleep. So he went to a convenience store near his house, and then down to the beach where he could walk around and just think. Uh, He figured he was only gone an hour or so, and when he returned, uh, Patty, with baby Crystal in her arms, met him at the doorway. She was shaking and crying, and she told David that Cinnamon had tried to kill her. (gasps) The good sound effect. Patty and Cinnamon had been watching television until almost midnight, and when Patty got up to go to bed, Cinnamon asked if she could uh, show her something first. So Cinnamon reveals a small gun in her hand to Patty's shock, which was a Smith and Wesson. Wesson? Weston? Wesson. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. You were right the first time. (laughs) It sounds wrong. It does. So Cinnamon told her that um, she had the gun just in case for... For just in cases. Just in case she needed to murder her stepmother. Perhaps. And then asked Patty if she knew how to use it. Uh, Patty uh, showed her how to use it. Um, what? How to cock the gun. And then Cinnamon was like, thanks. And said, good night. 
So Patty went to sleep while Cinnamon continued watching uh, television in the living room. She didn't, like, ask where the gun came from. She didn't, like... Well, their family had, like... They had done some target shooting, so guns weren't, like... Okay, they're... Also, you're not going to shoot a target with a revolver, probably. Just because there are guns in the house... You can. Well, fuck me. Doesn't mean you don't question the 14-year-old who suddenly has a gun and is like, I just got one. Just in I case. Need it. Sure. You never just know. Just in case. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'm just Cinnamon Brown. I would never hurt a hair on anyone's fly head. Yeah, Cinnamon Brown does talk like that. She's got a southern accent, <laughs> even though she lives. No, no one else in the family has a southern accent. She also has like a rat um, pet, as a pet. Uh, <laughs> Cinnamon Brown, this is sugar. 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 Cinnamon sugar. I like the rat name Sugar. Cinnamon and sugar. So. Patty was then awakened by a gunshot no. in her room. No. She jumped up and saw Cinnamon standing in her doorway, but then she ran away. What? Less than a minute later, Patty heard a second shot and then a third. When she heard the baby crying, Patty ran to Crystal's room to pick her up and then ran back to her own. She didn't look for Cinnamon, didn't look for anything. She just like grabbed the baby, ran back to her room, closed the door. What? Made sure the baby was fine. So, when she heard a key in the lock about a half hour later, she ran to the front door well, and well, told wait. David Wait, half an hour passes were of her doing what? Nothing. Sitting with the baby. Panicked? Apparently. Hiding? Not calling the cops for what reason? Not leaving the house out the window for what reason? <laughs> I have many a question. Not to victim blame, but I just have sure. questions. Um, she said she didn't... Wait, when she talked to police later, she's like, I didn't know where Simon was... I didn't know what, what Did if she, she was going to shoot me. Okay. The whole... Th- I guess. You know, there's a whole... Blah, blah, blah. So, at the hospital, because we found Cinnamon, doctors were able to stabilize her. She was then interviewed by detectives, and she fully corroborated her, uh, her father's and Patty's stories. She expressed remorse and was horrified to found, find that Linda had died, but unfortunately, it was too late. Damn. So, What? Know, what? She... she shot Linda. Yeah. She didn't want to kill Linda. Why'd you want to shoot her? So, um... You're going to tell me, but what? Yes. When Cinnamon's mother, Brenda, was interviewed, she was distraught to hear about her daughter, but she had news for detectives. She explained that David and Patty had actually just visited her before they showed up, and they seemed calm and not stressed about the murder that had taken place for some reason. Huh. So she also told detectives that David had instructed her to not tell them the truth about Cinnamon's behavior. The truth was that Cinnamon was a very normal child, not the flaky, suicidal, out-of-control girl that her father and Patty painted her to be. Huh. Brenda was shocked to hear that Cinnamon and Linda were fighting because they usually got along fine. Although Brenda and Cinnamon had a falling out that resulted in her living with her father, they held no animosity towards each other and, in fact, talked every day. And Brenda explained that Cinnamon said that she felt like a slave at David's house. She always did most of the housework, and Patty didn't do her share. Cinnamon had also explained that Linda and David had been fighting recently, and Linda was afraid that David would leave her for Patty, and that David was going to hire a PI to follow Linda, so everything is just... Discombobulated and messy. I don't know how I got lost in this story, but who's Patty? Linda's the stepmother? Yes, and Patty is Linda's uh, sister. Younger sister. Okay. So detectives just assumed, like after hearing this, that Cinnamon had an overactive imagination. Uh Uh-huh. And that she's just a 
a teenage girl making them things. But, and they were like, Patty's only 17. And Brenda explained that David liked them young. Gross. And Ew. that Linda had been even younger when David started with her. Ew. So, during Cinnamon's trial, her lawyers tried an insanity defense, but in September 1986, the judge found her sane and guilty and imposed a harsh sentence of 27 to life. What the fuck? But she was a minor, so they sent her off into a reformatory. However, Orange County District Attorney Investigator Jay Newell was not satisfied that the truth came out at her trial. So, for the next three years... He keeps track of David Brown's business affairs, follows what happens to the insurance money, which it was uh, $835,000 collected on Linda Brown. Uh-huh. And for the next three years, David lives a lavish lifestyle with his new wife, Patty Bailey. No! Yeah. Gross! So, in 1988, when Cinnamon turned 18, she is contacted by Jay Newell. What's gonna happen to her now that she's eighteen? Well, uh, he like felt legally. he's she's still in there for the, in the um the reformatory. Yeah. Okay. But she can just like she's not a minor anymore, and she can be talked to by outside sources. Great. I'm guessing. So after he tells Cinnamon of her father's life of luxury and that he was married to Patty, Cinnamon decided it was time to come clean. She told him that the murder had been orchestrated by her father. She said her father and Patty Bailey had plotted for months to kill Linda Brown, whom David Brown accused of plotting to take his business. One night in March 1985, Cinnamon was awakened by her father and told to shoot her stepmother. Oh, my God. If you love me, you would do this for me, is what he said to her. No. Her father assured her that as a child, the only punishment she would receive would be light, maybe a few sessions with a psychiatrist. Then David Brown gave her medication to, quote, fake suicide, but gave her, like, three bottles of pills. So he what? tried to kill her, too? Yeah, tried to kill her, too, and making sure it would, she would get away with Like, he would and get away yeah. with it. Um, and it's also when she learns that, like, he actually tried to kill her. Because she, the entire time, was trying to, she's looking out for her dad. Yeah. She's like, is my dad okay when she wakes up in the hospital um, after uh, vomiting pills? Jesus. Um, so the only reason Cinnamon Brown actually survived was because she vomited the pills out of her stomach. Uh-huh. So uh, Cinnamon is visited at a youth authority facility by her father, David, for the first time in three years, uh. who tells her that if she tells the truth about what happened the night of the murder, we'd all be in jail. He tells her he is sorry that she ended up going to prison, but he then suggested that perhaps Patty would be willing to accept the blame and take Cinnamon's place in prison. <laughs> Unknown to David, however, law enforcement authorities are taping their entire conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, is she wired? Yes. Yes! So, on September 22nd, 1988, which is a day before my mom's birthday, uh, David Brown and Patty Bailey are arrested at their Anaheim home and charged with Linda Marie Brown's murder. Oh my god. Patty Bailey admits she and Cinnamon had been involved in the plot masterminded by David Brown, so she confesses slowly. Wow. In January 1989, Cinnamon and Patty testify against David. Patty explains that when she was an 11-year-old girl with no place to go, her brother-in-law took her into his home and talked of marrying her someday. Mm, Fondling soon followed, she said. (sighs) And at age 15, David Brown, then 31, began having sexual intercourse with Patty, usually once a week while her sister was in the shower or out shopping. 
And at uh, 17, Patty said she was so devoted to the man who, quote, gave her everything that she stood over her sister's bed one night in 1985 and pointed a loaded gun at the sleeping woman, prepared to shoot her to death. Oh. But she couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't do it, she testified. But a month later, Cinnamon Brown did, and Patty Bailey was finally able to keep David to herself. So he was put away in jail to await trial. Prosecutors discover, however, through a jailhouse informant, that David Brown was plotting to kill Patty, as well as David, uh, as well as District Attorney Jay Newell, and Joffrey Robinson, the lead prosecutor. Wait, he was just going to take them all out? Yeah. Oh my God. He was trying to hire someone in prison yeah. Yeah, to take them all yeah. out once he got out. Yeah. So the police secretly recorded David and another inmate as they discussed the details of the plot. He just doesn't learn. No. <laughs> Later, when the inmate oh is God. freed and cooperating cooperating with authorities he falsely tells david all three have been murdered and david unaware that conversation was being taped answered wonderful you did great (laughs) (laughs) that'll do pig he didn't say that um when he was (laughs) when he was sentenced to uh life in prison yeah in september 1990 superior court judge donald a mccartan called him a master manipulator and compared him to charles manson Wow. You're a scary person, McCartan told him, adding that Brown was lucky that the district's attorney office had not asked for the death penalty. So, Patty Bailey pled guilty and was sentenced to the California Youth Authority, where she remained for four years and was released at the age of 25. Cinnamon was freed in 1992 and tried to build a normal life, even though public fascination with the case kept it in the public eye, and books, including... If You Really Loved Me by Anne Rule, which is where I got most of this information. Mm. And also a television miniseries. On what network? No idea. Just didn't Please. look it up. I really want it to be Lifetime. So do I. As soon as you I, said it, I was like, I want it to be Lifetime. I would watch the shit out of that if it was Lifetime. It's probably ID, though. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Still watch it. David Brown died behind bars in March 2014 of natural causes, unfortunately. Wow. That's like... Unfortunately, that there were natural causes. He should have been. Yeah, it should have been painful and unnatural, like murder, cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus. That was the murder of Linda Marie Brown. That was crazy. Story of Cinnamon Brown. I don't know any of that. That was crazy. That's bizarre. I'm really happy that Cinnamon Brown. The twist was that she she was never evil. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow! Can you believe this? Can you believe this shit? (laughs) <laughs> I'm feeding everyone their lines today. <laughs> Since when is that a line? Since always. Since literally day one. God, I want breadsticks. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, really bad. Oh. Sam and I had Olive Garden today. Fuck you. Kenny won't take me to Olive Garden. He thinks it's trash food, but he makes me go to I don't have a boyfriend to take me to Olive Garden. Your boyfriend sucks. Your boyfriend's trash. <laughs> I love him. Okay. So that would bring it to me now. Yes. yes I believe it would. I have... I'm not going to title it. Okay. We're just going to jump in. Let's introduce a woman. Her name is Alva Zona Hester. Is that right? She was born in 1876 in Greenbrier County in the south of West Virginia. Hmm. Her mother's name was Mary Jane. 
It seems like they were pretty close. Her mother stood by her when Zona gave birth to a child in 1895, a single mother in the South in 1895, which is like not yeah, that's common. Not a, not no one really was a fan of that happening. Well, sure. Everyone was like, no. Yeah. Don't. We hate you. It seemed like she had a bit of a rebellious streak uh, from her mother, though, because just a year later, Zona met a man that her mother instantly hated. His name was Edward Stribling Trout Shoe. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Trout Shoe. Mr. Trout Shoe. <laughs> Wonderful to meet you, Mr. Trout Shoe. He's the worst sounding man Mrs. in history. Mrs. <laughs> What's her last name? Hester. Mrs. Trout Shoe Hester. She, uh, she went, uh, he went by Trout, mostly. <laughs> Which is better than stribbling, I guess. So he was a bit of an edgy fellow. He was the town's blacksmith. Ooh. Uh, what year was this again? 1896. Okay. But it's like in rural West Virginia. So they courted or whatever and basically married in like months. Whatever happens. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the 1890s no, are like, right? process. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. I don't know really how it works. Chaperone strolls. Yeah. yeah. He has to like buy her a horse or something. Yeah. Or exchange a goat. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Did you say strangle a goat? Exchange. Also, and then strangle it. <laughs> <laughs> Choke a goat. <laughs> so, um, they literally like, from the time they met to the time they got married, like three months passed. Because... Probably because they're like bored. What else is there to do? And Zona's getting flack for they're the whole smash. like child out of wedlock sure. thing. But it's fine now because she's got a man. And he's the only one in town who's going to fit everyone's horses with some new shoes. So nice. none of her family showed up at the wedding, but she didn't seem super bothered. Is that good for horses? Horseshoes? Yeah. I can't imagine it's great for them, but I think it's fine. It's nailed into their hoofs. I think it's fine. Is that good for wild horses or horses you're going to ride? It's just for indoor horses. Got indoor horses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, versus like inside, outside. Inside horse, outside horse. (laughs) Well, the shoe, the metal part actually protects their hooves more than you'd think. So even though it is being nailed into that, it's kind of like a... um, Like a fingernail? Like, yeah, think of your fingernail and like the part that grows extended from your actual finger. The the nail? It's just not natural. No, it's not natural. Well, neither are the glasses on our face. Yeah, but a bitch is blind. And they don't nail our glasses. You're not like nailing them into my head. (laughs) What if they nail the... They're not. There are no contact lenses. They do like nail them into your. Um, <laughs> Isn't that what LASIK is though? Like well, technically, you're getting laser vision except into your for face. the hardware nailed to your face part. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it. And that's a lobotomy. So if your eye doctor tries to do that, my brother told me a story about lobotomy. I'll save it for later because I don't know anything. What about latopy? Am I right? <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> Can we cancel podcast? The disdain in your face. Anyway, I'm going to bring it back because okay. I hated that. That sounds like a good idea. So the new and happy couple is going about their daily lives. Uh, Zona's at home. Trout is burning metal for money or whatever <laughs> what the, the blacksmiths do. Uh, and three more months go I by. I punched the mic. Sorry. 
They've literally only known each other for six months at this point. Well, yeah, that's what courting. Are they married already? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah. They married three months in. Now three months have passed since they've been married. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, oh my god, couples in 1980, 1990, 18, sorry, 18. 1890s, and gay couples are the same. Yeah, I guess right. <laughs> like, is that real? After three months, yeah. Married. Married. <laughs> Fully locked in. So Zona's a little bit sick. Uh, it's rumored that she's <laughs> pregnant, but it could be literally anything because it's 1895. I laughed at something that wasn't what you were saying. Okay. And what you were saying was that she got sick when she was pregnant. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say that either. <laughs> so we'll go back. I fucked up. It's okay. So... Zona gets a little bit sick. She's at home, and it's rumored that she might be pregnant. Okay. And that she's just, like, at home pretending she's sick, okay. like, to hide the fact that she's pregnant or whatever. Even still, I was not laughing at that. It's fine. It could be uh, anything because, again, 1890s medicine, probably not too hot. Right. Um, she could be cursed. Yeah, she could be fine. She could be cursed. The pregnancy thing uh, is nothing but a rumor. So, anyway, it's any other regular day trout has errands to run before he goes to work he's a busy man so he stops by a neighbor's house uh, and asks if her son would mind chop uh, chopping by <laughs> stopping by to check on zona and see if she needed anything she was home alone sick so the 11 year old boy ran on over to check when he got to the house and knocked on the door there was no answer but knowing that zona was probably in bed he let himself in he didn't find a sleeping woman. Instead, he saw her body laid out at the bottom of the staircase no. or at the foot of the bed. I know that there's a big jump there, yeah. <laughs> but these are the two sources I saw. Okay. Again, it's the 1890s and there's not a lot of like solid record keeping. Perhaps it was both. Perhaps her bed had a little staircase that led up to it. And she like was for a- old dogs. <laughs> yes, but it's not. But it's like her bed is really high up too. It's like it's like three. It's like the height of like th- of like a bunk bed with three beds. But it's like up there. So, so it's like, she not only fell out of bed, she fell out of bed, fell down, down the stairs, the bed stairs, and that's what she did. Yep. Wow. But it didn't look like she'd fallen down the stairs. <laughs> She was just kind of like laying at the bottom of the stairs. Or, but this 11-year-old boy is... Or at the bottom of the bed. Mostly the stairs. Okay. I'm back the stairs. Okay. Locking in the stairs. Stand stairs. Locking in the stairs. But it could be the... Don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the 11-year-old boy is like, shit, that's a body. And runs home. Molly, you're uh, in danger, girl. He finds Trout and tells him what he had seen. And Trout was like, uh, that's my wife. And <laughs> he ran home gets there finds that she's fully dead and he does the obvious thing which is take her upstairs to dress her Hmm. she was already dressed but he takes her upstairs (laughs) to her bed uh he also calls the coroner but before the coroner gets there trout puts zona in a fancy dress with a high collar and wraps her favorite scarf around her places her on the bed and when the coroner gets there, who's also the town doctor, basically anyone who knew anything about medicine was allowed to do whatever they wanted. Yeah. He's um, also the dentist. Probably. 
and the barber. Uh, <laughs> when he barber. shows up. <laughs> Surgery. Sorry. So when the coroner gets there, Trout is distraught. He is cradling Zono's body. Uh, he's visibly upset the whole time the coroner is trying to like do his whole job thing. The, the nerve. The exam was cut short, right? How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> he even like gave up. He was like, fine, you're upset. I really don't want to make you very angry. I understand your wife is dead now. I'm looking at her body here. Uh, I did my job. She's That's all I really had to figure out. That's a dead woman. And yes, he declares the death an everlasting faint. Uh, shut which up. is no the both way, my drag name uh, and how I plan yeah, on going everlasting, out. <laughs> oh, I'm into that. Bring it to the stage. Everlasting faint. Oh, she died. <laughs> oh, she no, she's dead. <laughs> um, he did come back with a revised report a day or so later redacting the everlasting faint and said that now it was childbirth definitely oh, definitely but where childbirth. is the child oh, yeah you didn't even the no child and he never uh, explained course, the yes, fact that there course. was no child the child oh the old vanishing childbirth <laughs> baby you go through the whole process die in it but the baby was never there it's gone I mean, like, what, what else are what they going to happen? Like, what else do women do, right? That's what the doctors are like. Sure. They birth children and they faint. <laughs> it's one or the other. Uh, I'm surprised witchcraft wasn't on the table. Right. So, witchcraft um, is always she, on my table. <laughs> same. She was buried January 24th, 1897. At the wake, Trout spent the whole time next to her body. He propped her head up with pillows and like a wrapped up blanket. He also pretty much just sobbed over her face for hours. He wouldn't let anyone near, near her. And most everyone was like, just taking a DNA. Bath. Calm down. <laughs> a woman is dead. <laughs> Can I see her? <laughs> like, this is my daughter. Like the mom was like, that's my daughter. Can I sure. like, excuse me? Get off her for two seconds. It's very touchy. Yeah. Uh, when the, when Mary Jane was told that of her daughter's death, Touchy with the corpse? You don't like those two words next to each other? I just... I wonder why. The <laughs> kind of body you see in an open cast, it, the idea of touching, it the, just, it's not... I'm upset. Is there a body you're okay with touching? The one that's the dead not body? dead. The okay. way a body that looks when it's alive. Because, like, I remember the first dead body I saw, and... Dead bodies. It was at dead a funeral, bodies, an open casket funeral, and... So, like, it was the first time I ever saw the, like, real in-person difference between a body that's alive and a body that's dead. Because when you see a body that's depicted as being, like, yeah. dead, it's, like, still a person. But, like, in a picture of death, it's, like, I don't know, it wasn't the same thing. Sure. But the idea of touching that? You're out. I'm out. You're out? I'm out. <laughs> Fully out. I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at it. it. Makes me, I just picture it like that. <sighs> no. You're not a necrophile. <laughs> Sorry, I upset you. Why? <laughs> anyway, so when Mary Jane found out about her daughter's death, she said, like, straight up, that was the work of the devil. <laughs> Meaning her husband. Oh, okay. Because she, like she didn't like her daughter's husband. Right. She was not having any of that. And now the town begins to start, like, 
spreading a little bit of rumors. As much as people die in the 1800s, I don't know how many like non-pregnant people die from childbirth. <laughs> and plus, Trout seems to have a bit of a cloudy past. Okay. Seems that his name isn't even Edward. Who is <laughs> Edward? That's the one that's not his name. It's Erasmus. Erasmus? Erasmus? Erasist. Er- Erasmus. <laughs> E-R-A-S-M-U-S. I should have looked up what it's Erasist. Erasmus. I'm trying to say like an old man, and it sounds better. Erasmus. So that would make his full name. Erasmus. Stribling. Trout. Shoe. Who did Horrible. (laughs) Who did that? (laughs) He's also been married twice before. His first wife divorced him. Okay. um, Because he was a bad man. He beat her. Uh, His second wife, who knows? She died. No one really knows how she died, but she died. Maybe. So Mary Jane, Zona's mother, starts to pray, asking for a sign that she could take to the cops that Trout was a murdering blacksmith. After a A murdering blacksmith. After a month of praying, Mary Jane has a visitor. She wakes up in the middle of the night to see Zona. Her ghost daughter is solid. Cold to the touch when Mary Jane grabs her hand, but fully ready to talk. Oh, my God. Okay. Zona tells Mary Jane that her husband was horribly abusive. He had come home the night before she was discovered and flew into a rage when he had come to find that she hadn't cooked any meat for dinner. (sighs) She had made all sorts of food, a bunch of different fruit, some jellies. Some pears and cherries and more jellies. Lots of jellies. You know, 1800. I'm hungry. <laughs> Preserve For it, jellies. <laughs> so, Zona tells Mary Jane all of this. No, preserves, I mean. Sorry. Keep going. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, yeah, there were no preservatives. It was just preserves. That's yeah. what they're called. Many a preserve. Uh, excuse me. She appears in the dress that her body was found in by the errand boy, and she seems mostly calm. She left that night, and Mary Jane probably just, like, went back to sleep. I don't know. But the next... What do you do when your ghost daughter comes back? I don't know. You probably just, like, write it off. You're like, (laughs) it must have been a dream. Yeah, I agree. And then you go back to sleep. But the next day, Zona reappears. This time, she has a bit more to add to the story. Zona reappears. She explains in detail her murder, saying that Trout had strangled her, but with such a force that it had crushed her windpipe and separated the ligaments in her neck, basically snapping it in two. Damn. To prove this, she spun her head all the way around. Uh, Oh. Mary Jane was probably horrified. Um, it didn't Ghosts help. Ghosts are so extra. Right? They're like, don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who am I kidding? I'd be the most extra ghost, like as extra as I could be. I would be. I mean, why not at this point? You've already appeared fully embodied in your mother's bedroom. What else could I do? To explain how, how far your can I take murder this? happened. <laughs> and then she comes back two more nights in a row. Oh, Jesus. Four total visions. That last night, Zona tells Mary Jane that she did all she could and not to worry about her. So February 22nd, 1897. Mary Jane goes straight to the coroner and is like, give me my body back. (laughs) Well, my daughter's body back, but I need it. Apparently, that was all the proof that the grieving mother needed. Uh, And the coroner was like, 
Yeah, all right. Yeah. We no, were getting a little full anyway. Whether or not he agreed to like get the heat off of him for his like shitty visual autopsy at the scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's anyone's guess. But he pulls her body out of the ground and gathers two other doctors to actually perform a real autopsy on her. They pretty much easily find out that Zona's ghost had been telling the truth. Wow. Wow. She was examined in the one-room schoolhouse. <laughs> Therefore, placing a decomposing body in the literal one room they had, like, allocated to the children. (laughs) They didn't have any, yeah, yeah. We ripped this body from the earth. Let's throw it into the children's classroom. Yeah. Are the kids still in there? Of course. <laughs> Got to somehow. It's part of the Children, lesson. this is death. They gather the three doctors It comes for all of us. And Trout. For whatever reason, he had to be in the room. He was required by law to watch his late wife be cut open and looked all over. He literally had to do this knowing that if they were to find anything, he would just going to be arrested on the spot. So, um, so is that just law? Even if he even if he didn't kill her, he still had to be in the room? Yeah, I think it was like a family member had to be present for the autopsy. Oh my god. Why wasn't the mom? Wasn't she the know. one who was like, take well, my... Dig my daughter. Spouse is more important yeah, than. But I think he like legally probably had like more rights yeah. to be there you. or whatever. I don't know. I wish that was still true. What? I want to watch my family members' autopsy. You anyway. could probably watch. Oh. You could probably ask. Okay, cool. I don't know. I'll kill someone. But. The- I said JK Kamara. <laughs> they quickly find the fingerprint bruises and her crushed windpipe. Uh, Even her neck was dislocated in the exact spot that Zona had told her mother. Jesus. The the motherfucker was arrested on the spot. Yes. Um, In jail, he all but bragged that nobody would be able to officially pin this on him. He spoke about needing to get out to marry four more women. He needed to take his grand total to seven, counting the first wife uh, who divorced him and the second who he probably murdered. Why? I don't know. He wanted seven. It's a lucky number. Yeah. That sounds, like, ritualistic. It's a yeah. little weird. Reminds me of Horcruxes. <gasps> right? And the movie Seven. That, too. <laughs> Seven days. No, so Florence and her mechanisms. Uh, so, uh, we're not done. Oh. Uh, just like... Yeah, no. The, 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 the trout, trout Shoes first-degree murder trial began in Greenbrier Co- Circuit Court on June 22nd, 1897. That's the day before my birthday. A panel of 12 you were jurors... Born in 1897. Yes, I'm immortal. Um, the 12 jurors... How uh, long have you been 17? Uh, uh, A while. Uh, um, we're time. not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing a Twilight moment right now. This is not a Twilight podcast. Wait, what's Twilight? This is definitely not a Twilight podcast. So, the prosecution did call Mary Jane to the stand, but mostly just to testify to her feelings of suspicion towards Trout because she hadn't liked him from the jump. I don't trust that Trout. The lawyer carefully avoided the ghost story because it's hearsay at best. <laughs> um, but in Cross, Troy, Troy, Trout's mm-hmm. lawyer jumped right on the one thing that was screaming to label the mother as unreliable. He asked her about Zona's ghost. <sighs> Mary Jane was like, you right. 
she nodded, and I have a transcript of this part of the trial. Oh, Jesus. So she said it was no dream. She came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for supper. But she... (laughs) No meat cooked. But she said she had plenty, (laughs) and she... She had plenty meat. She had plenty meat cocked. I said cock. Please stop saying cock. Meat cock. Cock. <laughs> stop. <laughs> but she said she had plenty and that she had butter and apple butter, apples, and named over two or three kinds of jellies. Pears and cherries and raspberry jelly. And she says, I had plenty. And she says, don't you think that he was mad? Well, I saw the place just exactly as she told me. And I saw blood right there where she told me. And she told me something about that meat every night she came. Just as she did the first night. She came four times and four nights. But the second night she told me that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint. And it was just as she told me. The lawyer kept pressing her, trying to get her to say that it was, like, a dream and not a ghost, but she was, like, steadfast in her opinions. I'm sorry, the man is shouting. The whole time, uh, everyone in the courthouse is hanging on every single word. Mm -hmm. The jury pretty much just accepted it. The reporters in the courtroom had just caught their lucky break. They were like... Fuck yeah, you mean the wo- the woman is seeing the ghost of her dead daughter? And that's why they dug up a Ghost her body. witness. <laughs> Call the ghost to the stand. Honestly. Because the ghost was brought up by the defense, it's not like the judge would be like, take that off the record to protect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of got to stay. Did to yourself. So it's like admissible. <sighs> this was July 11th, 1897. He is found Jesus. guilty. A lynch mob materializes in front of the courthouse, Perfect. as they do. Ghost mob? Ghost mob. But the sheriff comes over and is like, pew, 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 get on out of here. Or whatever it is Go that on sheriffs home now. do. Right? Yeah. right? I banish thee. <laughs> it's a priest and a sheriff. Sprinkle Small salt. Town. <laughs> Throws salt at them to make them go I away. banish thee. Back. Get on out. Unclean spirit. <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. Get your son. <laughs> so, uh, Trout is sentenced to life, and he's brought to the West Virginia State Penitentiary. 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 Yep. He dies pretty soon after that. Again, just because of, like, 1800 sickness or whatever. Mm. <laughs> He's Syphilis. buried in an unmarked grave. Party. That was my room, wasn't that? I don't think so. I thought it was outside. You sure? No. Yeah, that was outside, and okay. it was scary. Well, it was a it's like a bottle. demon bottle. I didn't hear. A flock of ghost beetles. I have four microphones in the room, and I didn't Told you it was a ghost oh, beetles. All right. Well, um, I'm gonna puke. That oh, makes me. Okay, please do. Did you? Me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I'm the review of the Jew <laughs> reference. <laughs> Zona is now a local legend. She has a mile marker and a gravestone and some sort of something put up in the courthouse. 
where they keep a transcript of her mother's testimony. Wow. So that's why I had that part of mm-hmm. the transcript. There was like a book written about her, but I couldn't find it online. So I wasn't going to order it. But it was written about her and about the about Trout's lawyer because he was the first African-American lawyer to practice law in this district. Okay. So I thought that was interesting, but that's all I know about him. And he lost. And he lost to a ghost testimony. So how much of that was the ghost testimony and how much of that was um, racism racism in West Virginia? But that's not talked about in any of it. But I thought I'd slip that in there at the end because when I saw that, I was like, oh, so that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, so how crazy is that? Ghosts gotta be better than a black lawyer. All right. And the other lawyer was an ex Confederate soldier. Ew. But here we are. (laughs) But a ghost was in court. Ghost court. Well, this I, is the only ghost who's ever been used court. as like actual technical it's ghost evidence. court, everyone. <laughs> ghost court. <laughs> Sorry. Is that a TV show? Yeah, it's yes. ghost court. Nancy Grace. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Nancy Ghost. Nope. Nancy Grace. I'm Nancy Grace. Grace. All I listened to today was Nancy Grace. Grace. <laughs> Nancy. This is a Nancy ghost Grace, Grace podcast. Jesus Christ. No, it is not. You were calling and right. yell at us. It's just not right. Oh, I wish I had a better Nancy Grace. Now, you all are making jokes about murders. (laughs) And it is... Dommy! Ghosts! Spirits! (laughs) Past spirits that need to be left in rest. Can you believe this shit? Zoe, Zoe, (laughs) Zoe, When I had the twins. Sorry, sorry, please. You remember, (laughs) Zoe. When I had the twins. (laughs) Oh, the trials and tribulations. Oh, oh my God. This is an Nancy Grace podcast. <laughs> yeah, so can you, can you, can you, can you, can you, can you, can what was the um the proper name of your story? The Greenbrier Ghost. Greenbrier Ghost. The Greenbrier Ghost. Ooh. So that's so, why I was like, look at me taking a step out of my box doing a ghost story, but the ghost showed up in court of a murder ghost trial. Yep. So I love it. Where is the departure? Uh, no, we're only good. missing a musical adaptation. <laughs> Wait, I forgot about the musical adaptation. <laughs> your face. Your face right now. Oh my god, your face. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a local musical adaptation, but I could only find one song from a cabaret of a girl who's singing the song who wasn't in the original show, but it's called Bread and Butter, and it's about how Zona's singing about how her husband killed her because she didn't make any meat and she only made bread and butter. <laughs> but I could play the song right now. Well, I did it. Is it copyrighted? Bread and butter right now. Probably not. <laughs> Thick, freshly baked sourdough. Give me that. Bread. Yeah. You still hungry? I'm so hungry. Bread. I love bread. I eat bread every day. (laughs) Ah! This is a true story in American history. Got a bird washed my face. I tried to be a good wife. I tried just like you taught me. I kept the house from hurting. Got a bird washed my face. I tried to be a good wife. I tried just like you taught me. I kept the house from hurting. Got a bird washed my face. 
butter. The musical adaptation of the Greenbrier Ghost. I asked that for I it. Conveniently I got it. <laughs> did not mention, yet you still managed to make make the podcast. Yep. This is a musical theater podcast. <laughs> did you know that I stayed completely on theme, even though I thought I didn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus Christ, today we had Lydia's. And the. Chelsea, or the Chelsea Hotel. The, the hotel, hotel Chelsea. And it's hella haunted. The hotel haunted Chelsea Helsey. You did it. I had the murder of Linda Brown slash the story of Cinnamon Brown. So. And I had, I wanted to start singing the song, but I, I stopped <laughs> <Brian> myself. <laughs> I had the Greenbrier Ghost. Oh. We did it. We, we did, did do it. it. Can you believe this Can you believe this shit? you shit this belief? Why are you going to be like that? As always, you can find us. As always, you can email us at candybleepod at gmail.com. You can find us on all social medias at CYBSpod. That is Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook. We have a Facebook group. I mean, come on. Find us. We're everywhere. We're on on LinkedIn. Email us. If you want a job. If you want a job, we we don't pay. We do not Um, pay. We can't give you any benefits. No. What what are we hiring for? We're not. What are we? Do they have a service they'd like to provide? Yeah. We'll take it. Email us. True. At LinkedIn. No. Can you make us? (laughs) No, we'll make them. Okay. None of us have facts this week, but um, you can email they us. they haven't sent us facts Yes, yet. as always. Uh, Sue as sent me a fact. We have a sponsored fact from Sue. We have a, fact. We we have a, have a sponsored fact. A I love also have a, a sponsored Sam fact. Sam emailed us a fact, too. My friend Sam. We grew up together. Oh, oh, do okay. you have it? Well, I don't have anything. Jesus. I have to locate it. Sam Wiesner. It's this Sam. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that real? Here it is. Fun fact for next podcast. <laughs> She DM'd it to me. If you're murdered, there is a one in three chance that the police will never identify your killer. What? Thank you, Sue. Whoa, thanks, Sue. (laughs) Thanks. What a fun fact to end with, right? (laughs) Mom, the whole thing is that we're trying to be uplifting at the end, but thanks. (laughs) Sam, read your own fact. No, you have to read it. It's sponsored. Sponsored Samuel Wiesner fact. Mm. Captain Crunch's full name is Horatio. Horatio. Oh. Oh, how Caucasian of you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't hide how Caucasian I am. It's okay. It's unfortunate. Horatio. Okay, I'm going to fuck up his second name, too. Okay. Looks like Magellan. Oh, wait, maybe that's easier than I thought it was. This is bad. I don't like this. Give it. Give, give it. I, I mean, there, I asked you if you wanted to read your own fact for a reason. Uh, so I was like, I I don't know how to pronounce this name. And Captain, I'm the worst. Uh, here. So Cap- fuck me, right? Exactly. Okay. Captain Crunch's full name is Horatio Magellan Crunch. He's also been called out for only having the bars on his, like, you know, shoulder shoulder bars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of on a his Navy uniform. commander as opposed to an actual He's not even a captain. Commander a Horatio. Captain. Crunch. Uh, Magellan Crunch. 
Still really good cereal, though. Just a simple farm boy. And I don't really care about the rest of the fact, but that's... That's the fact. That's crazy. Thank you, Sam. What a good day. Ratio Magellan. (laughs) I like that, actually. I think that's really cute. Did you know that Michelle Fairley, who played Caitlin Stark in Game of Thrones, also played Hermione's mother in Harry Potter? What? I knew that. I didn't. Great. Thank you for that pop culture fact. Of course. If counts. Uh, there's also a picture of Daniel Radcliffe holding a gun, which I will. That's the fact. We'll Can post we put on that the on Instagram. the Instagram. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can post that right now and just hashtag it. Can you believe this shit? And no context. Great. <laughs> and it. it'll just be there in a week when they go to look right now. <laughs> You're right. I'm doing it right now. Thank you. Oh, it's a picture of Lady Gaga. Sorry, I earned to end this podcast. Um, anyway. As always. Always remember and never forget that Mothman is out there and Mothman is John Mulaney. <laughs> don't sue us. All right, don't. Uh, John Mulaney's going to sue us. Don't sue us, John Mulaney. Bye.